Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the second installment of the Grow With Faith mini-series. I hope that you all enjoyed last week's episode. While recording, I had absolutely no intention of coming out of my ADHD closet, but I guess that's the whole point of the show, right? To share vulnerable moments for the purpose of hope, to provide education, as well as to ensure that fewer women feel alone in their experiences. And I actually received a lot of great feedback from the episode, and I'm glad that I did. As for going more in depth about my ADHD, I do plan on doing another mini episode where I exclusively focus on it, so more to come. This week, though, I wanted to share with you all my fertility journey and some of the learnings that I had along the way. I openly talk about my journey, um, as well as the challenges about my fertility on both the podcast as well as with other women. And I know as women of color, we're taught to not tell our business, if you will. However, when I was going through it, I found so much comfort, hope and guidance from many of the women who spoke openly and candidly about their challenges via their respective platforms. So whether it was social media, a podcast or otherwise. And now as I'm practicing the same, I realized just how much vulnerability and courage it takes to do so. But as my old pastor used to say, you see my glory, but you don't know my story. So here it is. It's my fertility story and the challenges that I experienced, as well as how I moved through those challenges and the actions that I took to achieve a successful pregnancy. So my fertility journey started in 2011 when I had had a procedure done called UFB. It's short for uterine fibroid embolization at the age of 27. So I had the procedure done to help relieve the terrible symptoms that my fibroids have been causing me. I had heavy periods to the point in which I'd literally bleed through my clothes. I was going to the bathroom frequently and my stomach was really bloated, like to the point in which I probably looked about five months pregnant. And everywhere that I turned at the time, there was this messaging about how the UFE procedure would allow you to be in and out and back to work in two to three days tops. And you'd have significant relief in a very short amount of time. And I was like, well, let me sign up. Well, what they didn't tell me was that the procedure was not suggested for women that were in their childbearing age or who wished to become pregnant. I didn't find that out until several years later, but I did have significant relief from my symptoms and for several years. So let's fast forward to 2015 and what feels like out of nowhere, my period goes missing for three months. I discover a bald spot in the back of my head that's the size of my fist. I gained 15 pounds in three months. My hormonal acne was off the chain and I just didn't feel well. I had a lot of challenges that I faced at the time. I'd gone to two doctors, one who did some basic blood work and told me that everything looked fine. The other told me without doing blood work or anything else that I should just go ahead and have my fibroids removed to get rid of the symptoms that I've been experiencing. I felt so defeated and like nobody was listening. So I decided to look into my fibroids a little bit more as my symptoms had started to return, but also because I was in a long-term relationship at the time, I wanted to learn more about how they could potentially impact my fertility. So I started to do copious amounts of research to identify a doctor who specialized in both uterine fibroids and the treatment of them. And so I eventually found my surgeon, Dr. Shashua, who's both an OB-GYN as well as a master gynecologic surgeon. 
So during our first appointment, I share with him the symptoms that I've been experiencing, as well as my previous history of uterine fibroid embolization. A few things happen at this time. So based on the set of symptoms that I'd shared with him, he diagnosed me with PCOS and placed me on a medication called metformin. He ran some additional tests and I was also diagnosed with something called hyperprolactinemia and placed on yet another medication. I also was told that because of the previous procedure that I'd had, UFE, it'd be unlikely to have a successful pregnancy due to the procedure cutting off the blood flow to my uterus. And if I were to get pregnant, it'd likely be via IVF. And all this is after the suggested next step, which is to remove my fibroids via an open myomectomy. And because of the number of fibroids that I had, as well as the size, an open myomectomy was the suggested next step. So as you can imagine, it was a whole lot to take in at one time. While on one hand, I was super happy that I finally had some names or language for what I had been experiencing, you know, to do research. I was also sad and really fearful that I'd never be able to have children. And that's something that I'd always wanted to become a mom. And something else that bothered me was that there was so much about my body, my reproductive system, especially that I just didn't know. And I was over the age of 30. So fast forward, it's 2017. I eventually get married the following year, 2016. And we decide to begin the process of trying to get pregnant at the top of 2017. So I make an appointment to see Dr. Shashua to figure out what my next steps would be. So he tells me that we should, we could try on our own for three months, but he suggested I have the surgery. So we decided to, you know, try on our own first. And literally at the third month mark, we got pregnant. And so when I called Dr. Shashua, he literally sounds like he's in shock. Like what? And so he has me come on in for an ultrasound. And while he's doing the ultrasound, he's unable to find the sac. And he informs me that he's scared that my pregnancy may end up being ectopic. And if so, it could be fatal. So he tells me to pay close attention to how I'm feeling and to come right in if I ever see any blood or have some bad cramping. So a few weeks later, my husband and I were getting ready for a trip to Aruba to celebrate the pregnancy, right? And it's the night before our trip and I'm in the shower and I remember looking down and I see blood. I'm scared, but I'm like, I don't want to believe this. Uh, So I decided to ignore it. I put on a panty liner and I'm like, hey, babe, I'm just going to go ahead and lay down. I'm I'm already packed. So it may have been about 1.30 in the morning. We were supposed to get up around 5 a.m. to catch our flight. But at 1.30, I woke up and I'm in excruciating pain. And so we immediately head to the hospital and I'm told that they have to do an emergency surgery to make sure that it's not an ectopic pregnancy. It wasn't, but I do wind up having both the miscarriage as well as the DNC. So shortly after, I made the decision to go ahead and have the surgery. Before I did so, however, I made sure that I spoke with two women who Dr. Shashua had performed the same procedure on, and both had gone on to have children. So I'll just note really quickly that all of his um, reviews were like five stars, but I found the women via Yelp and they had done some updates to their reviews to basically say, oh, it was a great surgery. And then they went back and said, oh, I got pregnant. Oh, I got pregnant again. So I was like, well, let me reach out to them and see if they'll respond. They did. And it was great. So I wanted to make sure that I did my research this time around, right? Because I did not want to be presented with more information or 
I didn't want to be presented with information that would do more harm than good. So while the whole speaking with the other women, while it gave me a lot of comfort, the several months leading up to the surgery, it was riddled with bouts of anxiety and depression. I was scared as hell, y'all. Like I became obsessed with trying to find someone, anyone that I could find who'd have both uterine fibroid embolization as well as an open myomectomy and went on to have a successful pregnancy. I mean, I Googled, I probably went through a hundred plus Google pages. I was on social media. I was doing search in some of the Facebook groups that I was a part of. I went on YouTube. I looked at academic journals anywhere that I could and nothing. I couldn't find anyone who had a similar story. So that is kind of where my anxiety and my depression came from because I needed some hope. And while, yes, you know, women were successful after myomectomy, the real main issue that I have been faced with was the fact that I'd had uterine fibroid embolization. Nevertheless, in August of 2017, I have a successful open myomectomy surgery where they remove 19 fibroids, 19 fibroids, y'all. The largest was literally the size of a grapefruit or if you can imagine a baby's head. So my uterus was so big, it was as if I was six months pregnant. And I remember coming home from the hospital and praying this exact prayer over and over again. It became my mantra. Dear God, please lead me to the people, the tools, and the resources to heal my body. A failed attempt at finding a new therapist led me to a woman who presented as a therapist, but was in fact a coach. But long story short, she suggested I check out this wellness center, as well as a community yoga class near my home. I did both. The wellness center is where I met Dr. Sandra Alexandria, who I interview in episode five. So be sure to check that out if you haven't yet. So prior to our first session, she sent me for some lab work that looked at traditional blood panels, as well as some micronutrients such as magnesium, zinc, B vitamins, and many other things. So when we sat down for our first session, she looked over my labs, we talked at length about what they showed, and came up with a plan that focused on building the foundation for my overall wellness, which would result in improved fertility. So we focused on, one, balancing out my hormones via nutrition, Mercier therapy to remove scar tissue from the surgery, as well as to restore the blood flow to my uterus and much more. So within maybe about two, three months at most, my prolactin levels went from a 45 to an 11 in a matter of just three months. I lost over 15 pounds and I literally felt better than I had in a very long time. So I decided to make an appointment at a fertility clinic to begin the process of IVF, right? Because that's what they told me. If I were to get pregnant, it would have to be through IVF. So when I say that my experience at that fertility clinic, which I won't name, was horrible It was horrible. The doctor flat out tells me that she doesn't know why anyone would have performed the UFE procedure on me and that while it probably wouldn't work, we could go ahead and try IVF. So she came across heartless as I don't know what, like she didn't realize that her words and her approach literally made me feel as if all the hope that I had within me had been cut off and suffocated. So I eventually went to another fertility clinic at the recommendation of a friend of a friend. And so I had a much better experience after the initial consultation with the reproductive endocrinologist, where he asked me probably a million questions about my health, my lifestyle, etc. I was told to return when I had my period the next time for blood work, as well as an ultrasound. 
He also said that I didn't have PCOS and he wouldn't recommend me taking metformin and the medication that I was taking to manage my prolactin levels. He would actually cut that in half. I was told to continue taking them as is, but in truth, they fashion, I didn't. In my mind, it didn't make sense to continue taking a medication for something that I didn't have, nor another medication at an amount that he wouldn't suggest. So when I thought my first period came, I made an appointment to get my blood work and ultrasound done. But then my my period, it just disappeared. So I sent this lengthy email to the doctor's nurse explaining how I had messed up and I stopped taking the medications. And she responded, come on in anyhow. So I did. And when I say they must have taken like a gallon worth of my blood, y'all, they had to have taken a gallon worth of my blood. But the ultrasound was promising is my ovaries, my uterus, the follicles, all of the things were all looking good. She said it looked like I had never even had surgery. So I just pray that God continues to bless Dr. Shashua's hands. So two hours later, I'm at work and I get a call from the fertility clinic asking if I had some time to talk. Immediately, I was like, oh, no, I like I can't take any more losses right now. And so I thought that something was wrong. The woman called who calls me, she's rambling on about numbers, this and numbers that. And I have to ask her point blank, like, miss, you say all of this to say what? She then tells me, Mrs. Alaribe, you're pregnant. The bleeding that I thought was my period was actually implantation bleeding. And nine months later, Amara Estelle was born. My little rainbow baby is now two and a half years old. And our baby sister, Zara, who's also a rainbow baby, is six months old. That was a lot to take in. I know. I experienced it. But here's what I learned from it all. I would have to say that you've got to arm yourself with the knowledge necessary to advocate for yourself as it relates to your fertility. During all of this, I read books, I listened to podcasts, all to better understand how the reproductive system worked and the endocrine system worked and how they work together. And the more I did so, the more I felt empowered to take control of my fertility. I would also say that it's really important, you know, no matter what stage you may be in, if you're not even thinking about having children or if you're in a relationship, you might be thinking about it, or maybe you're even married right now and you're like, I know that I want to have children eventually, or I know that it may be a challenge because of maybe fertility issues, maybe because of your age, whatever the case might be, I suggest being really proactive about it. Because I think that for many women, we make the assumption that having a baby is like easy, right? We have sex you know while we're ovulating we get pregnant and that's it and often that's not the case I also will say never take no as an answer as it relates to your health when traditional or western medicine failed me functional medicine is stepped right in and got to the root cause of the ailments that I experienced so what you'll notice is that on the podcast and you know in a lot of my communications what I often do is I use a traditional approach but then I also bring in more of a functional or integrative approach to it as well. And so that's what worked for me. And so I just like to share that information with my community. Speaking of community, it's super duper important that while you are you know, in this process or on your fertility journey, that you find community through that. And while I didn't have any friends at the time who were going through something similar, I did have two Facebook groups that were awesome support. And so I actually have a friend still to this day who I met in that group. And we both have two children and both of our children are maybe three or four weeks apart. It's fascinating. 
I think that during this process, while I mentioned, you know, being riddled with depression at times and anxiety and all those things, I think that no matter what, I always tried to keep my faith. I even created this vision board and on the vision board in the quadrant that represents family, I had pictures of a mom and our daughter. I had pictures of, you know, a, a mom and a dad, you know, holding a son. And I even went to the extreme. I cut out pictures of myself and my husband and I placed our faces on those images. And I know it sounds a little creepy. Yes. But having that visual in front of me, it made me believe that it was possible no matter what. And lastly, I just want to make mention of this because I think that it's super duper important. It's so important that you have open and honest communication with your partner about any fertility issues you may have. While I was so scared to share this information with my now husband, I knew that I had to tell him. Number one, he deserved to know, but also it was a huge relief in doing so. And it even brought us closer together. And through it all, he was right alongside of me. He was cheering me on. He was caring for me and loving me both through the pain as well as the triumph. So my share of my fertility journey with you is just the beginning. With more awareness being brought to infertility, particularly amongst women of color, I want to ensure that we bring on more expert guests, both in practice and experience to the podcast. So there will be more to come on this topic in season two of the podcast, which I am so excited about. And with that, I hope that you enjoyed this mini episode. Be sure to check us out again next week for part three of the Grow With Faith mini series. Peace out, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. It is truly my hope that you both enjoyed and gained something from it. And if so, be sure to share this episode with another queen that could benefit. Also, if you are willing and able, please leave me a five-star review wherever you consume your podcast. That is how we spread the good word, y'all. And in the meantime, be sure to follow us on all social media platforms at The Sister Circle Podcast. And be sure to check out the website, thesistercirclepodcast.com. There you can subscribe to our mailing list to ensure you get reminders about when new episodes drop and receive our monthly newsletter that's filled with great resources. You can check out our show notes, resources, and blog. And you can send me a message if you want to be on the show, have an idea for the show, would like to collaborate or sponsor the show. With love, faith.